What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Welcome back into the show, Joey. Uh, we we missed you last week. <laughs> Man, it's it's it feels good to know that I was missed. Like there was a gap there in the round table and uh you know, you, you saved a spot for me. Well, I said last week, technically is today's episode that you missed, but we recorded it last week. So I, I was just thinking back to that. So I, I I do appreciate you at least coming on for the introduction. Well, I, I had to share a story. Is it okay? Yeah, let's hear it. Well, a few years back, uh, my wife and I, we bought a policy on someone else's life. And in order to do that, she actually owns the company. It's bought in an LLC and she owns the company. And, you know, she hadn't really thought that much about it. If if there's ever any dealings with it, she has to be involved. But it's kind of few and far between until a couple weeks ago, she gets a phone call. And it's an attorney. And she's like freaked out immediately, by the way. She's like, calls me. She's like, Joey, who is this calling me? Who Do you know who this is? Why is an attorney calling me? And I said, wait a minute, let's listen to the voicemail. It's, hey, this is uh, Mr. David, blah, 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 blah. And I'm here representing your company and da, 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 in Missouri. And she's like, wait a minute. She listened to the voicemail. She's like, wait a minute, my company? Wait, I have a company? I'm like, yeah, of course you, you own the company. And she's like, I have an attorney. She's like, wait a minute. Do you need to call my attorney? Like, I, I feel like we need to tell my attorney about this. Can you call my attorney about this? Or do I need to, t- I mean, all of a sudden it was immediate. It was like overnight, immediate power trip just came out of nowhere in our, in our bedroom. And I'm like, babe, yes, you have an attorney. And I am so proud of you. You have an attorney, you have a company. Congratulations. It was it was an epic turn of events. I'm just going to say it. She was so excited about having her own attorney. <laughs> you, I could have probably done away with her Christmas presents. Like that was, <laughs> it was a better reaction of getting that, that phone call from an attorney. I mean, she's an eight on the Enneagram. So anything like that, she's, she's getting fired up about. She's like my attorney. You mean her attorney. my attorney? Her attorney. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Joey, the day's podcast that you're going to get a chance to listen to talks about how do you know when you start, when to start a new policy? And as you know, we've been asked this question time after time over the last 10 to 15 years as we've been implementing this concept. And people look to you and I, because you and I have almost 40 different policies that what you were just describing was one of 40 policies that you and I own um, combined. And people are always wanting to know, when do you start a new policy? And Nelson would say 20 years ago is the best time to have started one. The next best time is today. And today you're going to get to hear kind of a framework of what would be 
the process of when you could should consider starting a new policy as well as when should be some times that maybe you should avoid starting a new policy. Had you been that. on this call, Joey, what do you think that you would have said when asked when is the best time to start a policy? You know, uh, as you were just saying all that stuff, I was just thinking about my own personal experience. And and I, I talk about this quite a bit, but I really feel like it makes all the sense in the world. I started with a, as our mentor mentioned the other day, a bunny slope policy, right? Just getting my, my sea legs under me, figuring out how does this thing work? I started with one policy and as you know, we, we used it for giving. But once I did that, it started to unlock all these other places that I use money. And so within six months, I'm coming back to you and saying, hey, Russ, well, could I start another policy for this money I have over here? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you could do that. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that six months ago? Like I could have started a bigger policy if I'd just known that. And what'd you say? You always said you weren't ready for it. You weren't ready for it. And most people aren't. By the way, you gave two different analogies there. One with skiing and one with being on a boat, but we will let you be on that. <laughs> I get it. And if you're I don't listening ski to that podcast, often. Okay? Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you're really interested into that question of when should you start a new policy, what's that framework? And also, what are those obstacles or, or things, that, cautions that you should avoid before starting one? This episode is going to get you ready, even without the Italian stallion. I feel like we did an amazing job. So let's jump in and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deep into your favorite subject, the infinite banking concept. I am one of your hosts today, the idea guy, Russ Morgan. I am missing my co-host, Mr. Joey Murray, who's at home today, but I am gratefully joined by three of the most amazing financial minds in the industry, people that I depend on to help give me insight, and I'm grateful to be able to ask some questions, as you will be able to as well. To my right, downtown Ernie Brown, the man that I like to call the Indiana Jones of finance, which is a very manly title, by the way, Ernie, because this is the man who fights off all sorts of things and still at the end is always able to find treasure. How are you today, man? Hey, hey, what's really going on? What's really going on? Well, today we're going to be covering how do you know when to start a new policy? I hope you're ready to answer that question. Yeah. That's a great question. All right. Well, let's let's bring in some of the other guests across the table for me. I have the resident pilot, Mr. Mark the Gooch Haraguchi. How are you, Mark? Doing great, guys. How's everyone today? Man, I'm good. I'm I'm eager to hear your thoughts on what the real issue is when it comes to answering this question of when do we start a new policy and how do we know how to do that. But before you do that, let me bring in the man that I like to refer to as the million dollar smile mr incredible mr jd hill what's up jd hey man i gotta be honest um which i, I don't even know why i said that because i'm always honest 
But um, <laughs> anyways, side note, you're not to get detracted here, but I, I love the story that you always tell with Ernie when you intro him yeah. and, and it makes me a little jealous. I'm just curious when I'm going to get a little bit of, of, of some story action from you because you tell really good stories. Are oh, you want me to bring it up a little bit? Okay, I, I can do that, right? I mean, the reason I call you Mr. Incredible because I think you can do so many things. And when I think I of Mr. Incredible, it. I just think of someone like that. I would look up to that would be able to say, if I have a problem, you can solve it, right? You're like the MC hammer of finance. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I don't wear a leotard like Mr. Incredible actually does in the movies. That's the difference. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's get to our topic at hand. So Mark, I'm gonna let you be the first one that help, help answer this, but I'm going to lead off with the story that I think will help set this up. Cause I, I remember sitting with Nelson so many different times and, and Nelson would always start when we were talking about the infinite banking concept becoming your own banker he would say let me let me just share how this story began where did this all come from and if you've ever read becoming your own banker he goes through a series of events that happened in his life not only from his brother dying to his granddaughter um, being born with a type of a rare type of cancer and children to his house being broken into to then interest rates peaking at 23 and a half percent interest in which he was buying and selling raw land timberland and he owed half a million dollars so he had a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a loan and interest payment ernie on this piece of property and he said i was literally have it put myself in prison and i was trying to figure out how am i going to get out of this and he said out of a, a lot of you know sleepless nights on the floor praying and doing some introspection, he realized that he had access to dollars in insurance policies that he had been putting money into for a number of years. And he could access those dollars at five, six, seven, eight percent interest to help him get out of the prison. The only problem was he just didn't have enough money in there. And so as he went through and started detailing that his mindset changed, he said, Well, you know, here's the thing is I need to change the polarity of this situation where I'm not sending $120,000 a year to the banks to pay the interest on the debt that I have, I need to figure out how to put $120,000 a year into my insurance policies to then take a policy loan to then pay off what he would call the snakes and the dragons. Now, $120,000 is a lot of money today, but you go back almost 40 years ago, that was a lot of money. And he said, in order to do that, he had to tighten up his budget a little bit. He had to find a creative way to create more money. And I think that's the discussion we're having today is how do we and when should we start a new policy? So, Mark, hearing that discussion and, and thinking about the topic, what comes to mind for you? What, what's really the issue that we're dealing with? And is there a right or wrong time to start? I don't think there's a right or a wrong time. I think there are different opportunities in time. And it's just a matter of, and, and this is where my thought goes is, you know, well, well, what is the goal? What are we trying to achieve? And, and how is this policy going to be a benefit to that? And that's kind of where my mind likes to go to start. You know, what is the end game? Because I, I kind of want to Tarantino this thing, right? I want to know what the end is so that I can build back through and figure out where we are today. And then let's take a look at what are our options going forward. So that's kind of where my mind runs. All right. JD, what's your first thoughts on this conversation? Yeah, my my first thoughts go back to uh, something that is a common conversation in 
the dialogues that I'm having with, with folks, which is what does your cash flow look like? Right? Has your cash flow changed? Have you purchased more income producing assets or has your primary source of income, has that gone up? Has, has there been some level of increase in, in cash flow that now requires some place for us to, to put that money? Yeah, well, I, I do think that if you're trying to figure out when the right time to start a policy is, cash flow is important. And I, I look at how much money that I am building up from that cash flow. Because if I have surplus, if I have extra, it should be going somewhere and it should be very evident to me, right? I think the easiest place to see that typically is in our checking and savings accounts. We start to see cash piling up. Well, there was a time in my life where I would look at money piling up in my checking account as a, a moment of pride, as, as something like I'm doing it right. Now, as I know that money has such an extreme cost and it is sitting there literally taking a nap, when I see money piling up, I realize I, I've made a mistake. I've got to make an adjustment to that mistake. And that means not spending more money, but getting that money allocated toward my insurance policies. And for me, that's the reason why I have 24. Ernie, what's your thoughts? I agree with the the idea of seeing cash piling up in bank accounts and that being an indicator that your cash flow is coming in is greater than what's flowing out. The conversation is how do you know when you need to start a new policy? So the assumption is we've already got one. Mm. And if we're not piling up cash in the bank accounts because we're pushing it back into the policy, either in maximizing the premiums that we can put in or repaying our policy loans and we run out of room there, I think that can be an indicator and we can look at the challenge of it's not in the bank accounts. Really, my policies are full. I've got some overflow that's telling me I've got cash flow for a new one. Well, I appreciate you actually bringing up the fact that if you haven't already started one and sometimes we take for granted that everyone listening to this episode is already doing this. They are, they've already bought into the concept that they finance everything that they buy and they realize their money has a cost. And so they've decided the best place for my cash to reside is not in a checking or savings account. It is in a dividend paying whole life policy that's been specifically designed to accumulate cash, not a huge death benefit. And they're, they're on the path to financial freedom by using this tool. And if this is the first time you've ever listened to our podcast and you're trying to figure out what Wealth Without Wall Street is, it is a a movement. It's a movement of people who want to stop trading time for money, who believe that in order to become financially free, we need to have more passive income than we have monthly expenses. And when we achieve that, then we get more time freedom or geographical freedom or freedom just to expand and to create. But this is a, a really important foundational tool in our, in our tool belt that, that most people don't understand. And that's why we dedicate each and every week every Tuesday to cover this and to create nuance of this, because we believe the, the more you understand, the more that you will know. And the use of that knowledge will uh, apply to everything. And this concept is called infinite, Ernie. And I think Nelson's premise in infinite was there's no limit to what you can do with it, nor should there be a limit in your mind to how much you could put in it. Some people We'll read Nelson Nash's book and they'll say well, on page 48, he says premium, that's the money that we put into insurance policies, he would call deposits, should equal your income. And people are like, what? You mean I'm supposed to put 100% of my income into an insurance policy? How am I actually practically to do that? 
And Nelson was would never give an answer to that question because he would just say, well, 100% of your money goes into someone else's bank, doesn't it? And they go, yeah. And he said, you have a problem with that, do you? And they say, no. He said, well, they're in business to make money for themselves and they make a good living off of it. Well, if you owned a bank, would you put money in someone else's bank? And they said, well, no. He says, well, if you could build out the tools within this insurance policy that could perform the same functions at a bank, meaning they could take deposits and they could allow for withdrawals or loans, don't you have the things that a bank has? Yeah. Well, why would you put all your money in it? So I, I love the fact that we get a, um, a chance every week to talk about this. So I want to kind of talk about, well, let's assume we do have that first policy. When is the right time to start a second policy or a third policy? Is there a formula and is there a, a bad time to do that? Right. So I think what you're saying then is if we can understand when is it not the right time to create a new policy, we can find the opportunities then for when it is. Okay. Well, then when is a bad time, JD? You know, I, I, I want to go back on something you just said, which I think is, is really pivotal, which is how do we stop trading time for money? Right. And, and the idea that in order to do that, we have to purchase assets. But in, in you had brought this up in, a, in uh, an interaction that you and I were having the other day when you were explaining what an actual asset really is on somebody's balance sheet, mm -hmm. right? Which, which I think most people don't understand. And so if you could just, just real quick, because it plays into everything that we're talking about, right? When you think about income and expenses and wanting our income to exceed our expenses, which leads into when should I start a policy? When should I not? So if you could just explain just real quick, like what is like realistically, what is an asset, right? Versus what is not an asset? Well, an asset is anything that puts money into your pocket. A liability is just the opposite, anything that takes money out of your pocket. I think, but unfortunately, we're taught assets are things that we own because if we sell them, it creates money. But the way that you can define whether it's a true asset or not is that if you sell it, it's gone, right, Ernie? So if I owned a stock, for instance, it, if I sold it, I could sell it for some amount of money, whether it's more or less than I put in it, that's irrelevant. But would the stock be in my asset column from that point forward? It would be gone. It'd be gone. If I had cash and I use it, is it in my asset column anymore? Not anymore. Right. So anything that when you sell it, it's not in your account anymore, even though if it can bring income to you one time, it doesn't really shouldn't be in your mind considered an asset. So one of the things we love about these whole life policies is that can we access the money and put money in our pocket and still have the asset in the asset column? Yes. Does the insurance policy stay there? Yes. Yes. Because we're not actually using or borrowing our money, are we? No. So when we're, as you're saying, JD, the, the goal should be to take income to buy assets that produce more income, that switch buys more assets. And we keep doing that over and over and over again. And if we are doing that, then we can, if we want to replace our active income from what we would call passive income. That's right. When I, and I appreciate you just explaining that because I thought that was so profound, um, you know, and even coming from my traditional financial planning background, not thinking about it from that perspective. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it darn sure. The reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches at wealthwellstreet.com forward slash 
free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed. And only then can you implement the infinite banking process. All right. So go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15 minute conversation, gain clarity. But now let's jump back into today's episode. Which leads into when is the, the wrong time to start a policy, right? And to me, I think it's whenever we try to get too cute, right? We, we try to use IBC or try to use a policy to do something that it wasn't really designed to do. And so, for example, you know, if, if I have an initiative that I'm going to have every single year, like a recurring expense, for example, uh, take my property taxes. Like I know I'm going to have to pay property taxes every single year. And so it is possible for me to set up a policy to pay for those property taxes. The caveat though, is that I have to have the cash flow to be able to still fund the policy, right? And be able to pay for, for the, the, the repayment of the policy loan so that I'm not trying to put money in and then take it right back out, but I'm not actually getting ahead if that makes sense. And so I think, I think whenever we, we, we try and get too cute with, with a policy and, um, and trying to make money appear, right. Uh, by spending money or something like that, I think that's, that's when the wrong time is to try to start a policy. Mm. Mark, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, there, there's, there's gotta be a, an, an internal gut check on this one. You know, it, I'm, I'm all for leaning into um, the challenge, you know, pushing the boundary because let's, let's, let's face it, what we're talking about right now is really kind of pushing the boundary, right? For a lot of us, when we start, this is new, this is strange, this is different. Oh my gosh, you know what, you know, how, how comfortable am I with this? But you've also then got to, got to have that internal voice that says, you know, do I have the funds to support what it is I'm about to try and do? And if we don't have the funds to support starting a new policy, if we don't have that ongoing then either A, we need to stop, take a breath and reevaluate what's going on, or B, if we start this policy, can we then use the available tool that comes with that to then help generate the income that is now going to keep that machine in motion? So for me, the wrong time is if, if we don't have a plan, so let's go back to what's our goal? Well, if we don't have a goal and we're just throwing darts at the wall, hoping it's gonna hit something positive, let's hit pause. Let's get into a nice, you know, conversation and let's, let's really hammer out where we're trying to go. Because like I said, if we know where we're going to go, it's going to be a lot easier to get there. Ernie. Yeah, I agree. And just connect JD would call not having a plan cute. Mark would call not having a plan, not having a plan. So just, just pointing out the way their brains work. <laughs> <laughs> I am Mr. Incredible. Okay. <laughs> that's I'm a pilot. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I, I I agree. I uh, I do think though there there are reasons to start policies to pay for some expenses if you know if you have a plan. If if part of the goal is I'm going to receive some future cash, this might be a good idea. Separate thought. A, a reason wh why it doesn't make sense to add a policy is if we get to thinking that this policy is our investment mm. or this policy is going to help me. Uh, my pol This policy is going to reach my goal for me. Mm. I think that would be wrong thinking. Yeah. I think the, the interesting part to this, and we, we often see this happen is when someone starts the process of buying an insurance policy and then learning 
how to implement the infinite banking concept in their life. They realize that those two things are separate, right? One is a product and one is a process. And oftentimes the, the one do, that doesn't understand what's going on has a product without the process. They're not actually using it, right? And it's important that you, you have to use it. My son is eight years old. In order for him to understand how to play baseball, we have to go outside and throw the baseball. In order to hit a baseball, he has to stand in front of a pitcher with somebody throwing a ball at him to hit it. You, you, you can talk about it. You can watch videos on it. But until you're actually doing it, you don't know what it feels like. And I think that that's a lot of times that, and you may be listening to this podcast and maybe you've heard about infinite banking and, and maybe you've heard some people talk about how it's good. You've heard some people talk about how it's a scam, whatever. And you're trying to figure it out for yourself, but analytically um, it is hard until you're actually doing it. Well, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that most of our clients will start with some level of money. They put a toe in the water. They put a foot in the water. And the time to start another policy is, is usually pretty fast. And we see it. Our typical client will start a policy, a second policy within the first six months. Our average client has a little, you know, somewhere between two to three policies. And it's not because two or three is better than one. It's that two or three has been added on. They're, they're just building them. And Nelson always said, this is about a system. This is a process. And so is there a bad time? Yeah, it's a bad time. If you have no money, <laughs> you have no hope of money. I mean, that means you have to get some common um, introspective into yourself, into your own finances and figure out what's going on, right? This is not a magic pill. It's not, a, not going to solve all your, your financial problems. But if you're being creative and you're finding ways to create other income streams, and that's what this whole movement and message is about is how do we create more passive income than we have monthly expenses? Well, if you're actively doing that, you have to have a place to shove that cash. So you, the, the more assets you buy creates another problem, Mark. It means it creates more income. You got to find out, you got to solve that problem. That's, that's why we add more policies. Yeah, actually, this 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 topic is is pretty spot on for me right now because I just got off the phone with my tax lady, and we figured out, hey, you know what? You're actually gonna get a pretty sizable refund. Which, for the average individual, is that good news or bad news? For the average person, that's his bad news. Well, received for, as for, good news. Received as good right. news, but bad news because exactly. yeah. you, so you did in, something wrong. You overpaid. So for the for the average, you know, American, that's going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Woohoo! I'm getting a refund. But the first words out of my mouth were, you know, definitely not that. Um, and I'm sitting there going, well, this is ridiculous. You know, how did this happen? And so now we're looking at it. We're tightening the belt. Right. As Nelson said, we're sharpening the pencil. We're going to tighten that ship up because that money did nothing for me. And now the question is, well, if we're going to have that much left over, each year going forward, because we're not siphoning it off to the wrong pot, where should we put it? Is that a good reason to go get a new policy? And for me, yep, it's sustainable. It's moving forward. It fits with my plan. So that's where my mind goes on that. Well, I've talked about this many times, but I like giving this analogy because it's something simple that my you know five-year-old self related to. 
I collected pennies. Not for the like collector's item. I I accumulated pennies. If I found one, I put it in a, a little bitty jar. I put as many in that jar as I possibly could. And back in those days, pennies were <laughs> more commonly available than they seem to be today. I don't you don't see a lot of pennies today, but they they were everywhere, it seemed like when I was a kid. And I'd fill up that jar. And, and when I got to the point I couldn't put the lid on anymore, what did I have to do, Ernie? Go get a new jar. I had to find a new jar, right? Because if I had another penny, it needed to go somewhere. And, that, and that's kind of the goal here is that when people ask us, well, why do I start new policies? What's the purpose? It's just another place for my dollar to go. And it's not the end. It's just the means. And if you think about it, you've never questioned how much money you're going to put into your checking or savings account. And I think we all, if we sat down and planned for this year and plan for the next year, do we want to put more or less into our checking accounts? I want more. <laughs> you want to be more, right? Because that means more income, right? If that's the first place in which our dollar always goes, we're always wanting to put more in there. So if our brains are not thinking that and it naturally wanting to expand how much money we're putting into these insurance policies, it can only be because we're thinking about it like an expense. And nobody wants to add expenses. And that's, that's the that's a that's a mindset shift. What were you gonna say, JD? No, I was just saying that's that is powerful. Um is is people oftentimes look at it as an expense, right? And and you have to change our thinking. And, you know, I, I talk about this often and I love psychology. Like psychology is, is, is so neat, human behavior and all those types of things. And, um, one of the things that I, I've learned is that our, 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 our behavior, right. Is driven by a belief that we have. And that belief comes from an experience, right? So experiences create beliefs, beliefs create, um, behaviors. And, What's interesting about that is, is most of our experiences come from our childhood, from growing up, from being at home and our families and, and all those types of things. And my family and what they taught me about money was not this, right? So, so when I first learned about this, my, my natural, you know, uh, tendency to, to way to look at it was very much like an expense. Like, man, I don't want to have to do this, right? Or I see the value, but it's still something that I'm, I'm committed to doing. But when I had that paradigm shift and the aha moment came, right? That this isn't an expense, that the value that I'm getting from this is far greater, right? That it was just, it was, it was a paradigm shift and allowed me to look at things from a totally different vantage point, a different perspective, right? So I could see this as something as an opportunity, right? And, and when I started looking at it from that perspective, what was fascinating is that opportunities actually started to present themselves to me. Opportunities to, 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 to invest in passive income, right? Opportunity, yeah, like, like those things just started presenting themselves and it was just a mind shift. And then it became, well, geez, how do I, how do I get more? How do I fund more dollars into, into this so I can have more opportunities? Well, when you see the world from that mindset, it does. And, and I'm not going to lie that over time, like early on in my career, I was starting policies and having to, to take loans against those policies almost immediately to help fund some lifestyle, lifestyle expenses. And, but I, I, I just had this mindset that I need a place, you know, personally, I need a place to force myself to save cash and to put cash because I'm going to find a, a use for it. And then thankfully, as time went on, not only did I make more money, 
But also then I started finding uses for those dollars that were not expenses, that were not things that I thought were assets that really weren't assets, they were liabilities. And so as I started buying more assets and it helped create more income, and as my, my active income increased, it was like, oh, I have a place to flow these extra dollars into. And I think that's the part we have to think about if we're doing what we want to do, we're going to be forced to have to expand our system. And so the, the conversation is always, when would be the best time to plant a tree, Ernie? Today. Mark, when would be the best time to plant a tree? The man between two ferns. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. The next best time, Ernie, would be today. Because the ideal good, scenario, good planting that tree. <laughs> the ideal scenario is that the plant, that the tree had been planted, and and is already ready for harvest. Right when you think about it from a tree farmer's perspective, it's producing its greatest fruit. But the next best time is now. So when we when we force ourselves to to make those decisions and we start finding places for those dollars. It almost sometimes says, okay, now I got to go find another place to earn money so I can help make um, the, these deposits into the insurance policy, right? It becomes that forced savings, which mm. forced savings is good. That, that challenges me. What you're saying is if, if you have the means but need a challenge, in a sense, you want to give yourself the incentive to get there, then create the place where you've got to put the cash. Put a goal out there. Who hasn't at some point had a goal, whether it's health or fitness, right? Or sports related. I mean, you got to have a goal. You have to stretch yourself in order to accomplish it. Now you need a coach. You need somebody to say, Hey, look, Russ, you're, you're really never going to play major league baseball. I, I know Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl, and you guys are roughly the same age, but you're not going to be him, right? I mean, so like if I wanted to go out and try out for the NFL, that that probably would be a bad idea. But you got to have goals. You got to be able to stretch yourself to accomplish things that are in your achievable uh, means. All right. Well, th this has been a good conversation. I want to open this up for the discussion for the inner circle. Thank you for listening to this. If you would like to join our inner circle, you can. All you need to do is go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. We do have a free trial that'll give you access to not only our community of people who are doing this, that you can ask open questions to and allow them to give you feedback on what they're doing and how they're doing it. And maybe give you um, an idea of something that's possible that you didn't even consider, but also you can join in on these live discussions that we have every single week where you get to ask these coaches your questions and get immediate feedback. Any last parting shots, Ernie? I mean, I'm, I'm challenged to create my next policy. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm just thinking about a challenge of having a forced savings place. I think that there's definitely potential in, in our world. And, and I want a challenge. Challenge accepted. JD. Yeah, this, this, um, this challenges me to, um, have my wife stop shopping so that we can have more <laughs> dollars to save right? That's what this challenges me to do. So I am grateful for this because I'm going to share this with her um, and, and, and uh, pray for me that it goes well. <laughs> you, you might want to cut off this last part where you just said that, but yes, that's right. Mark. No, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like this topic. And like I said, you know, I was super pumped to have that meeting with my tax lady bummed to hear that I'm going to be getting a refund, but excited because I know what fits my plan and I know what I'm going to do with that. Sweet. 
Well, thank you as always for listening to this podcast and we will see you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.